listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Adverse drug reactions, or ADRs, are a serious issue in healthcare today. The pharmacist is the last line of defense to help prevent ADRs. A rising role of the pharmacist is the specialist who focuses on our children. Pediatric pharmacy ensures safe and effective drug use and optimal medication therapy outcomes in children up to 18 years of age. Currently, there are more than 1,450 board-certified pediatric pharmacy specialists, known as BPS. If you're interested in this expanding field of pharmacy, this podcast is for you. All right, everyone, let's give it up for our host. Hey, everybody, welcome to the um, Pediatrics and Review podcast on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I am super excited to introduce our next guest, Hannah. Hannah is um, did her residency where where I had worked at in New Jersey for a long time. Um, So I was very excited when she agreed to jumping on this podcast and and really shedding light on really important research that her and um, the Cooper University team did. So uh, first and foremost, Hannah, welcome, and uh, please introduce yourself to everybody. Give us a little bit. Thank you. Of course. Um, Thank you for that introduction. Uh, My name is Hannah Paulsgraf. I am currently a NICU pharmacist at Cohen Children's Hospital in Long Island, New York. Um, I did my PGY-1 pharmacy training at the Children's Hospital in Buffalo, New York, and then I did my PGY-2, where Jenna was working at Cooper University in um, New Jersey, and that was through Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. Um, Since then, I worked for a little while at Children's National, and now I am in Long Island, still working in the world of pediatrics. Right. Thank you. Thank you. So we're super excited, and actually, when this data was just available to us internally. Um, I can't tell you how many times I referenced it and still reference it now that it's public, but I, I have to admit that, yeah, I, I saved that bad boy, that like tip sheet that you have mm-hmm. created because I, I, I tried to look like there's nothing else like this out for um, providers that's so, so specific and niche down like per drug. Is that correct? I don't I don't think there's anything else. Yeah, I think when I came into residency and I was talking with my preceptors about research ideas that we wanted to look at, obesity and dosing and making sure that we're using total body weight versus adjusted versus ideal was something that they wanted to look into because if you just went and looked on PubMed and you wanted one source for everything, you wouldn't be able to find it. You'd have to look at a bunch of different articles for specific drugs. And the whole purpose that we wanted to do with this project was to have one place where all of the information sat. So you wouldn't have to comb through a bunch of different articles. You could just have one resource for all of the recommendations. That's brilliant. So just to back up a little bit, I know you'll see it in the title, but um, actually another, some of my awesome uh, colleagues, Daniel M. Um, uh, Daniel McDonald and Hannah. Um, her her name just changed because she or will be changing because she just got married. Um, but they so the article is impact of guided weight based medication dosing in pediatric patients with obesity. Um, so so just like Hannah alluded to, can you just obviously give us a little bit of background of of why why you did it? Can you just give us a little background on, on the article and how it came to fruition? 
Yeah, definitely. So at our institution, we had Epic. So we were kind of looking to see if there was a way that we could make it easier for providers within our EMR and then having a supplemental resource on ordering medications for our patients with obesity and which medications needed to be adjusted based on either adjusted or ideal body weight. So um, with obesity being super common now in the United States and it becoming that our obese patients end up getting more medications than our other populations and being treated with more medications, we were noticing that a lot of our medications were not being weight adjusted. So basically the article goes through the importance of having the appropriate medications dosed per kilo or based off of the correct weight for our patients. And then we essentially went back, um, used a literature search to comb through anything that we could find off of medications most commonly used in pediatrics. So we took our PICU-in GenPeds orderable list, looked up all of the medications, found all of the articles possible, and then compiled it into one table with all of the dosing recommendations on it if it needed to be either weight adjusted based on ideal or adjusted body weight. So a lot of the medications that we ended up noticing were our sedatives, so like opioids um, are on there, and then there's also like antibiotics like gentamicin. Another common one was IVIG. So there's a lot of medications on there that we went through, found if it should be ideal versus adjusted. And then we went through patients um, prior to implementation with education to our pediatric residents, their attendings and our pharmacy staff, and then post implementation to see what impact we would make on the patient population after providing that education. And we found that there was a humongous increase in appropriate dosing for our patients. Um, it was statistically significant, which was really great to see. And I think now with the list, they're continuing to use it and adjust things. And how we kind of implemented that into Epic, we had um, the sidebar that has all the patient information like weight and height, and we had an ideal body calculator and an adjusted body calculator implemented into that. So basically, if your patient was obese based on BMI greater than or equal to 95%, then if you were ordering medications, they would look at the list. Feeds pharmacists were very helpful with this because we were able to also check the list to see if it was dosed correctly and then make recommendations if the dosing needed to be changed. And then our patients were able to get medications based on the right body weight. Yeah, and I think this is huge too. And even for me, like I had been practicing before you you, you guys made this for like 10 years and then this rolled out. I'm like, oh my God. Like you, anecdotally, I was noticing, like, for example, like just, just looking at one that we saw time and time again, like a perfect example would be like Presidex. Mm -hmm. When you put that, you know, when, when you give, they only give the dosing, whether it's pediatric or adults in that micrograms per kilo per hour. And, you know, all of our providers were very quick to use actual body weight. And then like anecdotally looking back, I'm like, oh my God, a lot of our obese patients were snowed because mm -hmm. you, you don't, you don't need to use the actual body weight. You need to use, um, the ideal body weight. And so mm -hmm. I think the, the importance to obviously when you, when you look through this list and we can, I can articulate which drugs are on here, but um, I think the most important thing is really to highlight how um, 
prone, uh, obese and, and this was like morbidly obese pediatric patients are, are going to have side effects. Obviously, if you do not take this medicate, you know, this dose adjustment into account. Yeah, definitely. Especially because most of the time when we're dosing these medications, we'll end up capping them at adult doses, but it's unfortunate. You can see five-year-olds that way as much as an adult woman nowadays. Um, and I even remember when I was in pharmacy school seeing prescriptions come in from outpatient of like amoxicillin for like five and six-year-olds and they're getting adult doses and you have to call the provider and be like, what's the weight of the patient? Right. Because you just don't know. And is it an overdose or is this child obese and that's why they have such a high dose? So things like that is just crazy to think about when you have these patients inpatient and they're getting all these medications that they might be receiving adult doses, but they might be eight years old. So at what yeah. point do you cap it at the adult dose versus use a different body weight? Because how is this kid reacting to the same dose that a 30-year-old person might be getting as well? And and to that point, can you just chat a little bit about, you know, there, there's such a, there's such like a gray area when in, in pediatrics, because especially now with obesity, that it's like, okay, I, I know like practicing inpatient, outpatient, when I arbitrarily saw somebody at like 50 kilos, I almost like treated them as an adult because I wanted to make sure that every med didn't go over that, that adult max. Um, you know, EHRs are beautiful because they can help, you know, bring attention to like, oh, you're going over that max. But if there's not a hard stop, um, we both practice at the same site. And like every, every pediatric patient is at risk of having, you know, that, that overdose, which is over even the adult dose. So what, um, what recommendations did you guys have as far as like a kilo cutoff or um, like, what, what did you see as far as when you could kind of, I don't want to say treat them like an adult, but again, you know, like what, what was that kilo cutoff where you're like, uh, we're, we're, preach we're approaching those, those max adult doses. Yeah. I think there's recommendations out there that usually once kids hit 40 kilos, you can kind of assume that you can do adult dosing. Um, otherwise once they're 18 years old, you can kind of treat them as an adult. Um, but usually with that kilo weight, once they're 40 kilos, most of their doses per kilo should be at the adult doses. But there's even some medications that like kids get higher maxes than adults, which is interesting. So like ceftriaxone for UTI, you can go up to a higher total flat dose compared to adults. And that's not necessarily on the list of like adjusting based on ideal or adjusted body weight, but it's just interesting that there could be higher dosing recommendations for peds than there could be for adults. So usually once they're 40 kilos, you can definitely still be looking at your pediatric dosing, but you also want to cross-reference with your adult dosing to see like what that maximum should be that you reach. Yeah, the first drug that comes to mind when you say that is propofol. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we would always get called because like, we're like, all right, so we're going to start this at like 100 mics per kilo per minute. And then you'd get like that panicked adult ED doc calling and be like, you mean 10, right? And you're like, no, 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 100. <laughs> they were like, mm -hmm. What? So like, just by like, it, it, it's definitely like an art because you think of how many drugs it's 
children just chew through because they have increased metabolism and various Mm -hmm. like organ uh, function and maturity. And then, then you're also trying to like watch how much you give them if it's it's above the adult, but some, some drugs you need it. So, and then like, what dose do you cap out of? So it's definitely Mm -hmm. hard. Um, And looking at like the, the medications, which I'll just articulate for, for our listeners, like these are re- really scary meds um, mm-hmm. that some of them even have narrow therapeutic index. So like I, I'm guilty of it. Like I said, some of these until you brought shed light on this in our institution and did the research, I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea I was supposed to use adjusted body weight or ideal body weight. Um so, so just for our listeners to, to get a sense, the, the first one's a, a cyclovir, um, which has like such scary Im- implementations um, or ramifications if you're doing especially IV with um, nephrotoxicity. And mm-hmm. that's ideal body weight. Um, just loosely, obviously, all the all aminoglycosides, um, which obviously have a narrow therapeutics. I'll let you, do you have the list in front of you? Yeah, I'll, I do. I'll let you, I'll let you do it. Cause you did, you did the research. Sure. Sure. So, um, like Jenna said, the acyclovir, um, with ideal body weight, um, renal toxicity, if you have patients with AKI, um, both amikacin and gentamicin are ones on the list with narrow therapeutic indexes that you're going to dose based off of your adjusted body weight. And then we have our paralytics, so cisatricurium, um, rocuronium, and vecuronium are also on this list with ideal body weight. Your benzodiazepines, so your clonopin, clonazepam um, for the generic, your diazepam, lorazepam, midazolam, all of those are on there for ideal body weight. Um, digoxin, which is another one with a narrow therapeutic index that can have some scary side effects. That's an ideal body weight. Um, your Divaloproex or your Depakote, so a seizure medication um, with adjusted body weight. I didn't, and then know, there's, I didn't know that. You, you just taught me something. Because I, there you go. I looked too fast. Because I think of how many times, I can't even tell you how many times I used like the, the, the DR sprinkles and not, mm-hmm. and not done that. And um, I'm going to let you finish and then I have some more questions. <laughs> okay, great. Um, we have some pressors on here. So uh, dobutamine and dopamine are both on here for ideal body weight. Um, we have a lot of opioids, your fentanyl, hydromorphone, methadone, morphine, oxycodone. Um, those are all on there for ideal body weight. Immunoglobulin. Um, there's some controversial data on if you use ideal or adjusted body weight, but what we looked at and found was mostly ideal body weight for that one, which can be great for cost savings as well. Um, other sedatives like ketamine are on here for ideal body weight. Um, potassium phosphate and sodium phosphate are also on here for adjusted body weight. Those are scary. And yeah, um, propofol, ideal body weight, and uh, tobramycin also with adjusted body weight with another amino glycoside. Yeah, and like I said, a lot of these are such scary drugs, and unless you have like the right monitoring in place, um, mm-hmm. high risk of having like ADRs. Like I think of, you know, with our paralytics it like makes so much sense um like seeing those and seeing anecdotally like just practicing before I was really aware of of these changes and then obviously as you know with COVID we saw such a huge Mm -hmm. influx of pediatric obesity it 
really made us all more aware of what an, a problem it is. And um, this really is as well in line with our last podcast that we did, which was the obesity guidelines. Um, but looking at this, like even with like Depakote, for example, um, were these things that were in Lexicomp and that I didn't find, or was are these? Or did you pull this from drug articles and it really wasn't readily available in a lot of our drug references? So most of them are from articles that we found. Only okay. some of it was in Lexicomp. Um, okay. Let's see. Because like how would a pharmacist, a lot of pharmacists wouldn't, you know, like our golden standards Lexi. So then, mm-hmm. you know, what would make you take that extra step to do a lit search if you weren't, you know, you weren't, didn't even think it was an issue. Yeah. yeah. Some of them, some of them are in Lexi. So I think my, in the article, um, citation six is Lexicomp. So it looks like a cyclovir, um, cesatracurium, immunoglobulin, potassium, phosphate and sodium phosphate and then tobramycin are ones that do recommend in Lexicomp to use adjusted or ideal body weight but most of these medications on the list are not on there so it was basically using like PubMed and Google Scholar and looking through articles and a lot of primary literature to see which ones further needed to be adjusted based on ideal or adjusted body weight. That's amazing you know what I think of too when I when I see this beautiful table um have you, well, again, because half the time you wouldn't even know. Are you familiar with pearls at all? No. Um, so I was um, lucky enough to meet with Derek, the, the CEO and founder, and it provides information that's like what what really with drugs is important, but it provides like cheat sheet charts. Um, okay. and, and also like, really important like when you're a pharmacist in your season like you know exactly what to say and what you're looking for like it basically simplifies lexicomp um and and really just makes it more like user-friendly for counseling and just pharmacists in general so they're not like reading scrolling all through that Mm -hmm. like this is a beautiful chart i think that they would implement on there because like there's no, there's nothing else like it. And again, it's just like more of an awareness factor than anything, because I can't tell you the amount of years I practiced and had no idea um, mm-hmm. that that this was an issue. Um, and then, yeah, so you guys use the BMI of greater than 95%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Also, um, this brings me to like another one of my, passionate topics, but, um, there, when I think of, yes, you think of inpatient because uh, like, you know, paralytics, propofol, Presidex, you're, you're only going to be using in the, in the inpatient setting. And you can kind of use, I feel like Epic's so widely available, you can flag it, but then there's a slew of medications on this that are, um, that have outpatient repercussions. Um, and to date, which this, this topic really fuels me that there's no mandate of a patient's weight on e-scripts. So how would you even be aware of that as you're doing a double check as a pharmacist? Yeah, I worked retail all through pharmacy school. And I remember all of my pharmacists when we would get either um, pediatric prescriptions or like pediatric antibiotics in that they would back calculate and say, based on this dose, my patient should weigh about this much. 
And so they basically would wait until the parents would come and pick up the prescription and then find out what the kid's weight is because calling doctors a lot, like they wouldn't get back to you. Then parents would show up and their prescriptions wouldn't be ready. And then they would just be upset because they have a sick kid at home and they need the medication. So um, some would call doctors and get approval. Like if the dose seemed really, really high for, you know, your average seven-year-old, um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, they would like eyeball the kid or when the parents come in, ask, oh, like, how much does your child weigh? So then they could be like, oh, yeah, I calculated they should be about 30 kilos. That's how much they weigh. Okay, this prescription is safe. We can give it to them. But way more than I feel like a lot of pharmacists. Yeah. Have the bandwidth to do. If the weight was just on the prescription, then that would be completely taken care of because then the pharmacist could look at the dose look at the weight and then make sure in migs per kg or meters squared whatever it needed to be that it was an appropriate dose for your patient and it would just probably decrease all of the phone calls that providers are getting when pharmacists are calling based off of weight recommendations as well yeah and this is a very timely topic because i have a meeting with ismp is my next of today that's awesome to talk about the NCPDP implementing this as a mandatory thing on outpatient scripts because it's been eye-opening. Um, I mean, I told the listeners maybe a little bit about me and you can find more on LinkedIn, but I went from only practicing inpatient in a PICU NICU gen peds and then where obviously Hannah and I work together and then it's been very eye-opening to like take a, a step back and um, just see like, the massive amount of patient safety guardrails that we don't have outpatient that we had inpatient. Um, Because like we wouldn't think, we would never like verify a medication without calling the RN and saying like, what's their weight? Mm -hmm. So that's, it's, it's been like such, such a shift um, just like seeing like, how come, why are they so safe? Why we have all these safety guardrails up in the, in the hospital and then outpatient where I did like the very, 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 very rough math. I'm like, so you, it's like 0.04% of someone's life could possibly like a average person's life is in the hospital and then the rest. And we know, like when you think of medically complex children, or even obviously in the geriatric population or like obesity runs in in any in any um like age group and a lot some of these are even in the adults weight-based and so Mm -hmm. like i think there's we're very biased to pediatrics but i think there's there's repercussions even in even in the adult world as well well i think even something as simple as weight but i know like even some of these medications like acyclovir, you don't want to give full dose if you have an AKI. So what about patients in the outpatient world that have mm-hmm. renal dysfunction and then your serum creatinine isn't on the prescriptions as well? So I feel like if we can get weight on prescriptions, that would open the outpatient world to so many other opportunities to have yes. other things added on to prescriptions as well, like lab values. Lab values, height, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it all like goes back to like interoperability because our profession like doesn't have a lot of access to the full patient chart and records. And Mm -hmm. I think now that I'm outpatient, it's almost like, like I 
of course, have rapport with the parents. So I'm calling them before I do anything. But I'm always like, what if I was like in an outpatient retail pharmacy? You know, like just like you're saying, like if I if I give this parent this acyclovir without knowing the child's weight, like that's that's you know a, a medical error. So like, how do we mm-hmm. how do we provide more? Um, safeguards and and this is a a squirrel and not really it's related but i'm related i started doing some digging because i'm always into like okay why in 2023 is this not a thing right Mm -hmm. um and working with these task force i realized that they had a big push in 2016 before like electronic health records or like e-scribing was like universally mandated basically and what the reason it wasn't implemented was because they got pushback from dermatologists and ophthalmologists. But kids aren't going to dermatologists and ophthalmologists as often as they're going to their regular old pediatrician. Right. And so like, I was like, like you, I mean, history, it's always like you start digging and you're like, but why, but why, but why? And then mm-hmm. you find like this stupidest answer. So that was like, <laughs> I went down this rabbit hole. I was like, are you serious? So again, we're rehashing the conversation with lots of organizations, but I feel like, you know, with all the EHRs that implementing this would be crucial because mm-hmm. pediatric patients, obviously every medication is, is weight-based with the exception mm-hmm. of like Claritin. Um, yeah, like you have your few that you're like, oh, you're five, you can do, but that's like very rare. Um, mm-hmm. And I think few it, between, yeah, exactly. And I think it's scary because a lot of these meds are high risk meds that we're yeah, just blindly, like you know, trusting that the provider is correct without any weight. And so I think this will open up, like you're saying, lots of opportunities for for pharmacists. Um, and again, either underweight or obese, it's just so important. Yeah, definitely. I think hopefully a lot of people are able to check out the article and then kind of use it in their clinical practice if they're working with a lot of children and that'll open some doors to having better care for them and hoping that this underserved population is starting to get some things dosed a little bit better for them and then eventually getting this out into the ambulatory care and outpatient world where we can have weights on prescriptions to make sure our pharmacists are able to check the dosing weight and do their due diligence as well. Yes, that's, uh, don't worry. You're part of, part of my lit citations for this, this, uh, argument. So, so thank that's you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your time and, um, it was so nice to catch up with an old colleague. Yeah, thank you. I really loved being here and chatting with you today. It was great. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review.